You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. And today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I actually have my husband of 23 years, Tommy Amico. Yes, his name is Thomas, but he goes by Tommy to anybody that knows him. He's a Bostonian. So I've been from California. We've been married for 23 years. We have our three boys. And um, so welcome to the show today. So I'm glad to be here. And I guess to do... uh after 23 years, I get to brag about you a little bit because you never let me do that in front of anyone else. So now I get to do it. So you're stuck. Um, my wife's a three-time Olympic gold medalist. She's won three national championships, right? Mm-hmm. You've um, won two world championships. I think one of the things you are most proud of, though, is you are a three-time academic All-American, right? Yes, I was. Um, and then the one I still love as we're going into the season of the Women's College World Series is you still have the best batting average in any women's calls world series at 750s for nine to 12, uh, nine for 12, right? Yes. Yeah, my sophomore, my sophomore season, we ended yeah. up winning the national championship yeah. and I set the record it's been holding and I get to do radio with Westwood one radio at the women's college world series every year. And I, every year I think, okay, is it going to be beat this year? And so I'm actually heading out very soon. We'll see if this year it gets beat. So I'm really excited about this because I get to interview you. I see all these other people interviewing you and now it's my turn. So um, I know you're in this new season of life and talking about the gold standard. Um, and I know you'll get to that in a little bit later, but um, I, I kind of want to see where you're coming from. I, I want you to tell me what were key moments in your career from being a youth softball player all the way to getting a scholarship all the way to being an Olympian? You know, I think back to some moments that really played into the success that I had. And um, I, you know, just started out first and foremost, having a passion for the sport of softball from a young age. I actually loved all kinds of sports, but I think I was really only good at soccer and softball. Those were my two sports and I stuck with them through high school, but it was um, somebody seeing me when I was in junior high and they saw me competing at um, a little tournament in all-stars and they said, Hey, we want your daughter to come play travel ball. This is back in the day. Travel ball was not as big. Uh, And so my parents said, yes, I went out. They said, though, we're not, we're not sure. I played first base and I was also a pitcher. They said, we're not sure that you will be able to pitch because, um, you know, one of the coach's daughter's pitches and another coach's daughter pitches. And so, um, they, my parents said, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll go. And, you know, it's really cool is that a year later, we got to the national championship, uh, 14 and under in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And at that point I kind of had shown what I was capable of and all our pitching staff was great, uh, but the coaches called on me to be the starting pitcher. And so I think it's a reminder that, um, you know, success and hard work can, you know, lead to more opportunities. And that's what happened for me. And, and that when I was 14 years old and winning that tournament, that's really what kind of grew in my heart, this, um, desire to maybe get a scholarship for college. That's the first time I thought, you know, that was a potential opportunity for me. That's very cool. And the school that recruited you and you got a scholarship to was university of Arizona. And so I got to play for the wildcats. I did get recruited by just a handful, not many schools, um, during that time, but 
you know, I went and took a visit to Arizona and I loved the players. Um, Amy Chelvold was one of my hosts, Jamie Hagan, a couple of my teammates who were all Americans and, you know, helped us to win a lot of national championships. But for me, I, I think it was just going and enjoying the school, the atmosphere, but really connecting with the players. I, I think you just kind of know, we tell people to take visits to different schools because once you get there, you kind of get a feeling, you know, I did visit a couple of schools after that and I, I felt something different. And so I'm so thankful that I made the choice to go to Arizona. So what was the transition for you from Arizona to the Olympic team? How did that even happen? I was able to play in four national championship games. Um, but I think, you know, my first two was right before softball was actually going to be in the Olympic games. My, my first year as a freshman, we got to the championship game against UCLA and they were just known as being the dynasty back in the day. And Lisa Fernandez was their star pitcher and they just had truly an amazing team. They always do. And so I ended up uh, getting a hit off of Lisa. She only gave up one hit, but we ended up winning the national championship one to nothing. Cause my teammate was on second base and she scored. Thank goodness. Amy told was very, very fast. One of the best um, slap hitters in the game. And uh, so we win. And that summer, actually they said softball was going to be in the Olympics for the first time ever. So that was my goal, but I didn't know how I would get there. I just knew that this seed was planted if, and I felt like if I can get a hit off of Lisa and we can win the national championship, potentially I could have an opportunity to be on that Olympic team. And so I believe you were one of only two girls that were in college. Three, three. there were three of us in college and one high school athlete on the first ever Olympic softball team in the 96 games. Yes. Crystal Williams. And who are the other two that were in college? It was Danny Tyler. And actually she decided not to take her senior year of college after that. And then Laura Berg, who uh, coaches in college right now, she coaches at Oregon state and she was the only four time Olympian for USA softball. Very cool. Very cool. So the reason why we're here is because this is called the gold standard podcast with Leah Miko. Um, and so for me, I would love to know what does the gold standard stand for? What is your thoughts on what the gold standard stands for and what does it mean to you? And how did you come about even thinking of what this is? You know, I'd been just trying to decide. I I've spoken around the country since I won the gold medal. And when I was in college, I've had opportunities at first, it was being able to go and share with you know, students at schools and share my story and maybe, you know, inspire them. And then it was being able to, to go and share at opening ceremonies at different events and some business events and all over different, you know, different people that I was able to meet and share with. Um, but I, you know, the last couple of years have been really trying to think, you know, I, I share and people would say, Hey, if you want to come speak, um, you know, what do you speak on? Or they would give me a theme and say, hey, here's our theme. You know, can you speak into that? Well, I I've been able to share. I went to three different Olympics. I have so many different experiences with each one. Um, and so, you know, usually I just would say, okay, you know, who's the environment? What do I want them to walk away with? But what I realized is I needed to figure out, you know, what is my brand? What do, what do I try to share? What are the most important things? And that's when kind of the gold standard was birthed. It was, you know, just thinking through like, when I share, what do I want to share? I, I've just had amazing opportunities to win not only national championships at the collegiate level, but obviously on the Olympic stage. And with that, I just wanted to be able to kind of share that. What does it all come down to? And so the gold standard, um, not, not just the same, because we know the gold standard, usually it's a monetary type thing, but ultimately it also kind of stands for being the best of the best. Right. And I was able to accomplish that on the softball field with my teammates, with the best coaches out there. But I, I want that in every aspect of life. I want that in our family. I want that, you know, whatever I'm doing, whether it's commentating, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, you know, speaking, whether it's doing a softball clinic, um, you know, I've had a little 
opportunity to coach. I want to, I want to emulate what I felt like was the gold standard by coach Candrea when I played for him. And so that's, that's kind of what it's about, but it is an acronym because I thought, well, how can I break that down even, even smaller? And that's where G stands for goals. O stands for overcoming obstacles. L stands for leadership because that's such a crucial piece. And then D stands for dedication and drive because, you know, it's a daily commitment daily habits, things that we work hard at. What are the sacrifices? That's all in that action component because you can have goals. You can, you know, have perseverance, right? You can have a great leader, but ultimately are you willing to put in the work, especially when things get really, really hard and when it's a daily grind. And that's where that, again, that D piece is the action piece for me. Well, obviously G stands for goals. So what does goals look like for you? Obviously, you're an Olympian and and you're striving for something bigger and better. And what do other people, when they look at that G, what does it look like for you to tell them? When I think of goals, I think it's something that um, they need to align with your values. Like if, if I want to set out to do something, I could think like everybody could say, I want to be an Olympian, but let's be real. Like, <laughs> can you really? And what does that even look like? But when you talk to a lot of people, whether it's somebody that's been successful and they own a business, or maybe it's a teacher who just does really well, or for me, becoming an Olympic gold medalist, even some of my Olympic teammates, I've heard their stories. And it's, it's almost like something is burdened them. Like at a young age, like when does that you know, come into play. When I grew up, I didn't think, oh, I want to be an Olympian. Softball wasn't in the Olympic games, but I did know I loved softball and I loved soccer. When I got a little older, I learned, oh, I do know that college scholarships are available. I want to earn a college scholarship. And so as these little different things kind of started coming up, but as soon as softball was named to the Olympic family, that's when I said, okay, I want to be an Olympian. And so with that, I think, you know, knowing what you want to do and where you want to go. So for me, sometimes there was a period of time I thought I was going to be a, a teacher, you know, but I... I, you know, ended up going a different direction because God had other plans. And, um, you know, I was still competing on team USA full time and training, you know, long after I graduated college. Um, but even if it's like, I did a lot of softball clinics, right. While I was training to, to have income and to be able to impact the next generation. So even that, okay, well, how do I become better at that? What is the gold standard with that? What's the goal look like? Well, guess what? I'm going to, you know, I want to hear what other people are doing and I want to try to even be better. And so not only what I bring to the table, but okay, how are other people doing it? Okay, how can I make this my own and, and make it the best of the best? And that's how I kind of started setting goals. Um, and, you know, again, just for me, sometimes a goal can just be something I want to accomplish and it looks like a to-do list. <laughs> and that's my yeah. goal. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross that off. And I did that. But ultimately, I try to do everything, even my to-do list with the gold standard, the best of my ability. Um, that's awesome. That's great. I, the O stands for obstacles. Um, I think of so many obstacles you have gone through in your time and sometimes they're positive obstacles. Sometimes they're negative obstacles. Like I think of an obstacle that you went in with 110 game winning streak going into the Sydney Olympics. And then you guys lost three games in a row and you almost didn't even make the playoffs for that gold medal, but you ultimately did. What, what, what did you do with that obstacle? Yes, I've definitely faced different obstacles um, on that 2000 Olympic team. That was something that was surprising and unexpected. We had a 110 game win streak heading into the Sydney Olympics. And that was conversation on the news channels, on all the interviews. That was the big talk is, you know, we, they already won gold at the first ever Olympics in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, now they're coming back and defending that gold medal. And we get into the Olympics, we win the first two games, and then we face, um, the next three company or countries, China, Japan, and Australia, the other three 
top countries in the world. At that point, there were eight teams. So you played everybody one time and the top four would advance. And we ended up losing actually three days in a row, um, three games in a row, two on airs, and then one on a home run. And here's what I tell people. The first game, um, it was almost a little bit of shock. You know, it was like, whoa, what just happened? It kind of stopped us in our tracks. Like, wait, we don't lose. <laughs> we just won 110, 112 because we won the first two games in a row. And then we, we lose. The second day, I felt like there's a little bit more division, a little bit more, um, kind of clicks happening a little bit. And I just feel like a little bit of the separation we were trying to kind of force it, but you know, everybody was kind of hanging out with different people. And, and, um, and then I would say it was after the third loss that really the difference was made. Well, first of all, it was, it was now or never, if we lost another game, we were going home without any medal. We weren't even going to get to compete for one. And so we actually, um, got together in a room, our leaders, um, pulled us together and we said, okay, each person is going to talk about what they bring to the table. And there's this accountability piece. And so I think when you face obstacles, like, are you willing to rise up? Are you going to back down and say, nope, I'll let someone else handle this. Or are you willing to face it head on? Um, and I think many people do just try to set back. They try to think, no, I just want things to be easier. I'm, it is uncomfortable, you know, things that are hard. How do we face that? And so, you know, that was one thing. And then we also went around and we talked about, um, what our teammates did and what we thought of them. And that was this encouragement piece. And I'll just never forget the importance of that because these are people I've played with for a lot of years, but to hear my teammates talking about, uh, you know, I, I know that I was an outfielder at the time. I know if, if the ball gets hit out there, I know my outfield has my back and they're going to not let anything drop. And as simple as that was, to me, I just felt like it just brought a whole new level of passion of, I have your back and I'm not going to let it drop and let's go play right now. And we just got back to the little things. And so in that situation, I think that I learned a lot about obstacles and struggles. I mean, those three pieces, do we have people that encourage us when we're going through that hard time that we can lean on? What does our support system look like? Who has our back? And can we lean you know, on them? Or like some people, they feel like people want them to lose as it is, you know, that's, that was the media during that time. Um, and then, you know, and then again, just being able to go back to the little things, like when things get really hard, sometimes it can become big and overwhelming. And sometimes we just need to get back to the little things. The gold standard podcast is brought to you by major media league. Major media league is a revolutionary competitive app launching in June, 2022. This app gives softball athletes a platform to showcase their skills by participating in challenges and having the chance to win prizes and scholarships. This is also an opportunity to promote your own talent. For all the athletes out there, it's free to join. So go sign up today at www.majormedialeague.com. The link is also in the show notes. You'll be notified when the Major Media League app launches. So get prepared for the unbelievable opportunity that lies ahead to grow your brand as an athlete. Um, we didn't rehearse this. So um, I'm going to come up with some own things in my that I've been thinking of. And, and, and I know Ella's leadership. And I know leadership can really be defined in a lot of different ways, right? And I, I think about your story and I think about leadership and I think about when you went to the University of Arizona, you actually were recruited as a pitcher, but you didn't end up being a pitcher for your end of your freshman and then your sophomore and your junior and your senior year. Can you talk a little bit about I, how I think you were a leader because you actually switched positions because the coaches asked you to, to fit in in a team that would make you guys winners? Yeah, I, I was 
moved uh, to the outfield. My, my freshman year, I was a pitcher and I split time with the other star pitcher and she's an all American, one of the best in the country. And she did lead us to the national championship. And by the end of the season, I was pretty much the designated player. So I was a hitter in the lineup and got to just focus in on that. But I, I know that if coach needed me, I was there my sophomore year. He said, you know what, now we have two other new pitchers. Uh, we're going to move you to the outfield. I feel like that's what our team is going to be strongest at. And we need you in you know, every day in center field and the year, my freshman year, I've been learning a little bit about outfield play. And I just remember just taking this attitude and this mentality of, okay, then I'm, I need to learn to be the best that I can be. I haven't played this growing up. I don't know this position, even though I was learning some last year and watching the seniors who graduated our entire outfield. And so I would stay after and I would go early and I would ask the coach to hit me balls. And so with that, I, you know, really, um, just grew as an athlete. I was challenged. I tell people that I remember crashing and burning more times than I can count. It hurts really bad when you dive wrong <laughs> and my neck would just hurt so bad afterwards. Uh, but I I'll never forget the time when I finally got it right. And I dove and caught a ball in the outfield and it didn't hurt. And I slid actually through the grass. And, you know, those are the moments I, a year later, I'm on team USA. I make the team as an outfitter, which the cool part about that is I didn't see the bigger picture at that point, but being willing to change and going all in was what also led to me being on the Olympic team as an outfielder. And I just remember being on a game that was televised and diving. I was playing right field, diving down the line, the foul line, catching a ball on TV. And then I just will never forget thinking, you know, nobody will know where I started, but I'll never forget it. And that's a reminder for all of us. I think when we, we've never arrived, we can always learn, we can always grow, we can always get better. Um, but it's good sometimes to go back to those early moments to keep us humble and to realize how far we've come, especially when maybe we think, gosh, I, I should be better right now. Or, you know, why am I not accomplishing this? Sometimes it's a good reminder of how far we've actually come. And what I love about that is that you never complained about it. And I think that's another you know, vision of your leadership, right? When they told you to move over to the outfield, you didn't complain, you just did it and you got better and better. Sometimes the mindset right now is, okay, I'm going to be in this position, this position only. And this could be in business. This can be in athletics. And we have to be nimble and be able to move and be part of a team, right? So when they put you in that position, all you did was work really hard to get better. And then on your senior year, this kind of translated to your last Olympics too. Ironically, your last year at Arizona, the last year at the Olympics, tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I got moved back to first base. And so my senior year at Arizona, I you know played center field for two years and then took a season off to go to the Olympics. So I played right field in the Olympic games and then came back and coach said, okay, we need you at first base. Our first baseman had graduated. And so I was like, okay, let's go, you know, and that was fun being back in the infield and our team won a national championship that year. And, you know, then I went back to team USA, went back to the outfield, played in another Olympics. And then so seven years after graduating and seven years of playing outfield, uh, taking a summer off to have my son, Jake actually balancing and doing the balancing act. That's a whole nother story. We definitely yeah, need we'll to talk, talk about, yeah. uh, but after that, then, you know, coach Kendra actually became our Olympic coach and first tournament back. He said, Hey, you know, what do you think about playing first base? And I, at that point I was thinking why I wouldn't even have thought about this or I would have practiced in this you know position, but I said, coach, whatever you need. And so here I am, we're playing Australia, one of the best teams in the entire country. And I'm thinking, thank goodness our pitchers for the USA are so good because that, and I, and I also was like, okay, God help me to have the okay. fastest reactions ever. If the ball comes my way, cause it's been a few years and I just, you know, I got used to seeing balls off the bat and judging them where they're going to land in the outfield. And so 
yeah, I, I just was like, I wanted to be wherever my team needed me. And I feel like that was one of the beautiful things about our Olympic teams. All three of them, we had people that were versatile. They gave us depth and they were willing to go wherever coach needed them. Led to that right there, right? Led to the, uh, the most dominant team ever in the world for softball to put you on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And, and, I, and I know leadership also, not only for you, but people that, um, that have led you, you know, talk about maybe a little bit about Coach Candrea and what the kind of leadership style that is. I think having leaders that get it and that really care about the people they're leading is the most important. And one of the things that coach Candrea has said is he said, he always coached the person before he coached the athlete. I think of employers and company owners and leaders in all different organizations. If you can, you know, work with the person before you work with the employee. Uh, I think it's going to help a lot coaches on the field. If you can see that as well, before you see the athlete, see the person, I think that can just help so much. There's a lot of leadership out there. And I think there's a lot of poor leadership out there as well. And I, I realize that a lot of leaders lead one by the way they were led. That's all they know. And two, usually by their own, you know, personalities and maybe things that obviously they feel. Thank goodness right now, there's just a lot out there. There's been books for a long time, but podcasts and, you know, you can see videos and just learn from the best coaches. There's just so much visibility now, but a few things I want to point out about coach Candrea that I really saw as an athlete. And when I hear him speak, and when he was on this podcast, he shared a little bit about I truly experienced it from being underneath him. And one was that he saw us as individuals and it was never my way or the highway. His expectations were always very, very high. He always came with a plan and a schedule and everybody was to follow and fit in. But within that, he saw us and he saw our own strengths. I'll never forget when he said to me when I was hitting, had been training with one of my Olympic teammates and I kind of went back to him for a tune-up years afterwards. And I think that's also what the great leaders do is they have people that always come back to them. But he saw me hitting and he said, what are you doing, Leah? He's like, focus on your hands. Your hands are what make you a good hitter. And I I almost just needed this voice because I had started focusing on my legs, which my teammate, that's what she was focusing on. And that's never what helped me to be my best. Um, he also, um, you know, he pushed us really hard. He challenged us. I think good, you know, leaders can do that when you care about the person, then people are willing to try a lot harder. Um, he was, willing to allow us to speak and to share our side. I think he wasn't threatened by that. He was a good delegator. I think great coaches surround them and great leaders surround them with other people that they trust. And then they let them do their job, even if they could do it better. And that's something that he did. He allowed you know, our assistant coaches to have their individual relationships with us and to teach us and train us. And, and he was always there for advice if we ever went to him, but he gave us many leaders. And then he would also talk to each of us and he would say, I want to let you know, you know, what I see in you. I see these leadership skills in you. And so under, under that, I think great leaders really create more leaders, not just followers. I think that's something very, very important, um, you know, to remember. And so he just had so many different qualities and, and he really allowed the game, um, to stay in perspective for us. The, the one last thing I want to mention about that is that he was so good about process. Yeah. Uh, some, some people are all about the outcome, all about the result. And that's all they see. They do not look about, you know, talk a lot about what it takes to get there. And he was all about the process, what we're going to do every single day. And if we do that, we're going to let the results take care of themselves. And that's exactly what we did. And it gave us freedom to not only be worrying about the outcome, but instead to trust 
that the outcome would would happen. Which leads us right into drive and determination, which is your D in gold. And I, I this is you something you just brought up is something that to me you can't be more determined and drive um, when you after your second Olympics, you're like, family's important to me. And we wanted to have a child and we had Jake, but at the same time, you had the drive and determination to say, I want to make one more Olympics. I want to be the first softball mom. And can you talk about the process that it took to get to that 2004 Olympics after having Jake? Yes. I had already had two Olympic gold medals and I still had a passion to play, but I remember um, the night that you know, I just was praying about it and I was 25 years old and, you know, I really felt in my heart that I, I still had this, this passion. I still wanted to play for team USA, but also really wanted to be a mom. We'd been married a couple of years and I knew as an Olympian, if we didn't, you know, take that first year, then for sure we would have to wait four more years if I kept playing. And so, um, I remember just saying, okay, God, this is, this is my desire. I desire to be a mom and play for team USA, but uh, whatever your will is, I just, I want that above all else. And so, um, you know, we were fortunate and blessed to, uh, have Jake the next summer. It took, it took a year off. And as soon as he was born, oh, I did have a C-section. So it took a little bit longer to get released from the doctor. But as soon as I was released, I was out at the batting cages. I was, um, you know, I mean, I can just remember taking Jake in, you know, a stroller and he's probably eight weeks old and I'm, you know, out trying to hit some batting practice and trying to just get my swing back. And I remember, you know, it was just a lot more challenging. I had to, you know, find some people I found a high school pitcher who was going to get really good college. And she took time out of her schedule. I found a men's pitcher to throw to me. Um, I found a college coach who just was so kind, Terry Schweiker. She was at Fullerton at the time and she just, you know, took time. I, I ended up training with Lisa Fernandez that next year. And that was probably the most challenging one um, to, I was never one of the stronger players. I was never one of the fastest players. And so I had to just gain back what I did have when I was at the top of my game. But I will say that year I trained harder than I ever had before. And at 26 years old, and after being a mom, I got in the best shape of my life because of that dedication and that drive and the discipline that it took. Um, and with that, you know, when I stood that next year and made, made the world championship team, cause we had to try out every single year with team USA, there's a tryout. And that next summer was the world championships in Canada. And we ended up winning the gold medal. And I remember just grabbing Jake after we took picture on the podium and just thinking, okay, this was all worth it. And then two years later, um, he traveled with us a little bit on the yeah, bus yeah. <laughs> for anybody that's seen a league of their own. He was our little Stillwell angel. And we have just great pictures of, you know, Lisa Fernandez from UCLA was trying to get him to, to do the, I don't even know. What is it? The four clap, but whatever their clap oh, is, the clap. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I don't even know what it's yeah, called. It. She was trying to bribe him. They were trying to bribe him with candy. Andy, they were trying to get him to, you know, we were potty training him on the team bus. I mean, just so many memories, but you know, he, he was with us. And uh, I just remember thinking this is so hard. I had to leave him a lot. I, I left him, I think up to four months on and off, but you and my mom would come and travel and visit me. We had an amazing family from our church that pretty much brought him in as a babysitter. Like he was family with them and it really took a village. But uh, when I won that gold medal, in Athens, Greece, and knew it was time to hang up my cleats. I was just thankful to have done it my way and was really blessed and fortunate to be a mom and also still be able to go after my dream. And this is one piece of advice that really impacted me. 
I had looked at the schedule that Olympic year because you travel a lot. And, uh, and I just was in tears. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I've been able to do it this far, but now that I was named to the Olympic team, I don't know how I'm going to do it this last year. And a good family friend, actually Doug, who married us, um, he just said, you know what, you're going to do it one day at a time and you can do anything one day at a time. And I just remember this piece after hearing that the tears dried up and I remember thinking, okay, I'm just like, what do I have today? Tomorrow's not even promised. And so I, I think it's a reminder to this day when I feel overwhelmed, when I have a lot going on, when I think, oh my goodness, how am I going to you know, handle this crazy schedule coming up? I remember that, that conversation. And I think I can do anything one day at a time. I think that's the epitome of, of drive and determination. There's so many good stories that come out of during in between those Olympics and, and your, like you said, your teammates and family members. And um, it, you had support from so many people. And, and I think the cool thing about that is, is it opened the path for 2008, where you had, I believe, two or three more Olympians that had children in between 2004, 2008, and they made that team. So I just feel like it's just for me to you, it was just super awesome that you were a pioneer and I know you worked so hard and, um, you were just awesome during that time. But, um, to me, um, there, there's other aspects, right. Of, of being an Olympian, um, using that drive and determination. Do, do you have any kind of tips, um, that you had, um, to get you to a point where you need to be, to be an Olympian? For me, it was just doing the little things on a daily basis. For me, I had my schedule. I think you have to be very consistent and you have to be very disciplined and also willing to make sacrifices. There were a lot of things I had to say no to. There were a lot of things I had to miss during my playing years. But you know, one of the things I would say is I, I just, I was able to also get something that was so different than anybody else, right? It wasn't only giving something up. I was also receiving something so wonderful and that was worth it to me. And so it's, it's that idea of sometimes you have to give up the good to experience the great and kind of prioritize that. And that's what happened when, you know, I was, I was playing, I would say, and at that point. And so, um, for me, and, and then just keeping it simple at times, I think sometimes for me, I could just overthink and I could put too much pressure on myself and I could beat myself up. Uh, that's the thing. It doesn't matter how many gold medals you have. Like sometimes you still have those doubts and those discouraging days and those moments that you're like, Oh my goodness. Like, how can I keep up with these younger athletes? They're faster. They're stronger. They're so talented, you know, but then it's that reminder, you know what, like I'm here for a reason. What do do I have? And I have that experience and I have been able to, you know, get things done on this stage for a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm connected to each of my teammates and I, and I know as a team, we make each other better. And so, um, but I, I really go back to, you know, those moments that nobody was looking, I think really, you're only as great as you are when nobody's looking because everybody sees people's highlights. We see it on social media. We see it, you know, when people are out on the field, but ultimately, what are you doing when nobody is looking? Are you going before practice? Are you staying after? For me, one of the things I always go back to about that last Olympic team where some of my shuttle runs out of field, nobody else is there. I'm doing it for time. I'm doing it to the point where I feel like I want to throw up because I'm running so hard. And I knew like, nobody else will know if I do not finish this, but I will know. And I want to be standing on that podium. And I believe that the other countries, Japan, who was at that time, our toughest opponent, Australia, Canada, 
China, all these other teams, I know that they're putting in. So I want to put more in. I want to believe that I am going to be more prepared than they are when everything is on the line. Because when we get into that arena, that's what it's going to come down to. And one of the things I always go back to again, coach Candrea, who was our fearless leader, you know, he says that was the thing he saw in all of us that were Olympians. He said, you couldn't tell if you were just practicing or if you were in the Olympic arena, it looked exactly the same. And so I think for people who just go by that, the gold standard, they, we didn't even like gold, silver was not an option. <laughs> I mean, obviously it happened. We didn't know you there's no guarantee, but it's not even in your thought process. Like, Oh, silver would still be good too. No, it's, we're winning gold. And then if, if it doesn't happen, it didn't happen, but it's not even in your process because every little thing you've done, it's been, you're making a deposit. And so at the end of the year, you have all this, all these deposits that have been made and now you're able to get the payout. So we talked about a lot of good stuff with the GOLD. And I know one of the things that is really important to you is your faith. Um, faith has driven you from day one from this journey to be an Olympian. How do you tie that all in with, your, with the gold standard? Yeah, I think it's just the foundation. I talk about, you know, the discipline and dedication, right? And goals. Well, how do I get my goals? I, I talked about that time when I was like, I knew I still had the passion to play, but I also wanted to be a mom. That was my goal. That was my desire. Um, and, you know, wanted us to have a family. I knew after we got done having Jake, then we wanted two more kids. So everything, everything starts um, for me, the foundation of with God and who Jesus is in my life. And he's my Lord and savior. And he is my everything in college. Um, you know, I, I had a belief growing up, but it wasn't until college where I really understood what that even meant and what that looked like. And, um, and it was a teammate who was just on fire for Jesus and she knew what God said about her. And that's when I would say that this switch of finding my identity and who God says I am above anything else. And yes, there were probably times where I tried to take it back, but the the older I got and the more mature I became in my faith. And the more I dug into the word of God and started to learn what it said, I really had this freedom of God. You have a plan for my life. I have to put in work daily, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask for your will to be done. I need you to mold me and change me and make me who you want me to be. But ultimately, you know, I really believed that I was giving everything I had and there were seven people who were choosing the Olympic team, but I ultimately believed God was also in that because there's a plan. And I really believe God you know, has a plan for all of us. And you know, we can decide to see it or not. We can decide to follow him or not. It's our choice. But for me, that um, really became everything. When you and I met, I had just, you know, surrendered and, and wanted to um, follow God wholeheartedly, even in a marriage. I didn't even know what that looked like. Um, and so, you know, I was thankful for ministries, sports ministries that have just impacted my life so much to teach me some of that. I wanted to, you know, I learned how to play for an audience of one and just keep God first in that as well. And so all those things, identity, relationships, you know, your future plans, I really just try to lay that down before the Lord. And it's to this day, um, I can't imagine everybody is going to have ups and downs everybody's going to go through trials and struggles and hardships, and we're all going to have victories and it's going to look different for everybody. But ultimately for me, I know God's going to go with me through it all. I know I can praise him in the good times and I can praise him in the hard times because Jesus is faithful. And uh, ultimately, you know, that that's what I want. I want people to know how loved they are, how valued they are, no matter how different they are for me, no matter what different things they believe than me. I still wanted 
um, to be able to know when I come across people, they're going to see that I'm real and I'm genuine. And that ultimately, you know, the love of Christ is in me and I, I can love them with that love. That's great. I know you've never wavered from that one bit. So I'm going to let you off the hot seat here. Um, but do you have anything that you want to wrap up with this to talk about this new season um, that you're going through by uh, really trying to institute this gold standard for other one, other people out there to just embrace and be able to be better? You know, I think back to different things that I've done. Um, I've done things that I would have never dreamt of. Even you saying about a three-time um, academic All-American. I laugh because for me, like I got good grades, but school was never easy. And it's really hard for me to retain, but I would work so hard that while I was learning it, I was just going to take it all in. Um, and and then eventually I, you know, I've written a couple books, um, a couple devotionals. Um, and then, you know, I've done commentating some opportunities with that has come with ESPN through the years, as well as for college top ball, as well as with Westwood one radio, I've homeschooled for 13 years. I would have never, ever dreamt that I would be doing that. Um, but this past year was my first year, not homeschooling. That's why the gold standard podcast and everything else is happening more often. Cause I have a little more free time in my hands. Um, and just, just different things, you know, even speaking as I continue to just grow the audiences that I've been able to get in front of one of the things for me I, I've learned, there's been a few things I've done. First time commentating, my first time speaking, um, and, I, and and probably a couple other things, maybe even just setting out to write a book. Always the first, I, I, I really was like, nope, this isn't for me. It's super hard. I'm not good at it. This is not my thing. I, I was remember, miserable. I remember. <laughs> and I this is something I've adopted in my thinking. You said to me when I had a chance to, years later, uh, go do a super regional with ESPN. And all it was going to be was one weekend, but I just had such a bad experience my first time. And I was just thinking, no, I don't want to do it. And I remember you saying to me, and this is where, again, our support system comes in and it's important to have the right people around us. But you said to me, you know what? You need to try it one more time. You need to try it one more time. And if you don't love it, you never have to do it again. And I said, okay, you're right. Let me give it one more try because even though it had been years and I wasn't very good at it, I still wasn't that much better the second time, but I had the first time's experience to play into it. So what I would say is just learn and, and the quicker we make adjustments as a hitter, when I played, the faster I can make adjustments and see the different challenges coming at me, the more success I was going to have. And it's the same thing with anything we do. You know, for me, the next time I set out before I got behind the microphone, that second time, I called up people I knew that were doing it. I got as much advice as I could. And I went in and I practiced, you know, studying the teams. And I, again, I probably wasn't that much better, but I was way more prepared and I had done much more homework. Well, you were, you were much better, but I think that second time totally epitomizes you doing the gold standard. You, you set a goal, you went over obstacles, you were a leader by going out and, and finding more information and you were going to stand up and do it. And lastly, you were determined to do it. And you put in all of that effort to do that. And it showed 1000%. Yeah. And, and I also had people around me. Mm -hmm. I, I had somebody that was helping me that also was, yeah. was better as well on top of what you just said. And so I think that's all part of the process yeah. who we're surrounded by. And then what we're willing to do individually, the growth that we're allowed, you know, we allow to happen. And so, um, yeah. Is there anything you want to say? You've been, you've been married to me for 23 years. <laughs> no, this is the, if people know me very well, they know I have a lot to say, but this is about you today. And um, I've just been enjoying the ride because I, I do see um, the gold standard in 
many things in your life that you've actually lamented that you just didn't know it. And so it's really cool to see you not only put it in a podcast, but eventually hopefully put it in words. And I think other people will be able to take advantage of the things that you've done and implemented for good and be able to achieve things. Now, I hope other people will also see and be able to do the same thing. Well, thank you. All right. I think that is good. I hope that you've enjoyed um, just some of the different parts of my story that I've shared. I thank you, Tommy, for coming on and interviewing me. Um, I, I think that you know, my heart is really to encourage other people and remind them that they're not alone in struggles that they have and doubts and discouragements and things that threaten to keep them down. Everybody goes through that. And so what I hope is that people realize that if they'll just try, I mean, even this podcast, it's been so fun to hear everyone's stories, but it was somebody encouraging me to step out. And then, you know, when I had that encouragement, it was like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. And I've learned a lot through this first season. And I'm just very excited for what's ahead and to bring more stories and more encouragement. So to everybody out there, I hope that you will continue to tell others, share it, uh, rate it, review it. It helps us to get the word out even more. Thank you again to Major Media League for being the sponsor and allowing this to be out there so people can hear and be impacted no matter what aspect of life that they want to apply the gold standard to. So until next time, keep living out the gold standard and thank you all. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.